Ah, yes, friends, it's OGP, the one giant podcast going back to back for a little morning cup of coffee live action over on YouTube. Also, of course, breaking things down in the podcast feed. So get that wherever you want to. I'm Adam Armbrecht. He is Andy Makowitz. He's healthy. He's wealthy. He's wise. We got a few things to cover here, Andy. So let's dive right in. Let's let's move in, Adam. No time for small talk. We've listened to the listeners. It's time to get down to business today. You better believe it, man. So we talk about, obviously, what's gone on here for the New York football giants. Yesterday, we get down to that 53-man roster. And then immediately, if you're Joe Shane, the attention turns to waiver claims. Where am I going? How are we going to improve this roster? Before we um, tap into it, just the mechanics of of what the processes are going through here. And ultimately, what felt like as the last wave of seven or eight guys yesterday before practice kicked off, I think set the template for where the Giants are going to go when it comes to the waiver wire and what they feel like they need to add to this roster. Yeah, there's so many different things. You think you think everything's done. Everyone takes a deep breath, high fives, and says, yep, we've got our 53 going into the, the Titans game in week one. And clearly that's not what it is. There are plenty of moves. You can tell by the way that the roster's been constructed. This 53-man roster feels very thin at certain positions, assuming that they're going to be having some claims on some different players that other teams have, have released. But to your point, Adam, just some of the mechanics behind what's happening, I think, is important. So... Obviously, everyone needed to get down to their final roster of 53 men by 4 p.m. yesterday. Now what happens is all those players that are unvested veterans go into what's called the waiver period. That waiver period, I believe, is 24 hours. It should end at 4 p.m. today. It will expire, and at that moment, players that have not been claimed by another team can be re-signed by their current team or or signed by any team, moved over to their practice squad, et cetera, et cetera. So teams can't actually finalize their practice squad until they know what players have been claimed or not, which makes sense because every team wants to stash their guys, but they don't know if another team is going to make that claim yet. And by and large, you know, you say 16 players on the practice squad, you know, sometimes you want to have a special teams guy there, a backup kicker, potentially, you know, someone just in case. But then a lot of these names we talked about, it's like the Alex Bachman's of the world. And then even some of the young players, maybe it's a Yusuf Corker, maybe it's a Jay Sean Corbin, right? Like usually your practice squad consists of guys that you do have a familiarity with. If you're the fan base, it's always this, it's, a lot of these guys are carriers from last year. And then you added some undrafted rookies. You guys are hoping to develop in the background. So ideally, because you're the New York football giants, most of these guys get there. But the funny thing is when you look around the league, a lot of teams, you've heard some cuts come down where you go, boy, surprise to see player X, but it's because they're so deep at a position. They already have other talent there. There's a far greater risk, I think, of other teams around the league losing talent as opposed to the New York football giants who are now looking at this waiver wire. <laughs> and as we got started, man, I will just say it was like down to the 53-man roster. Okay. Look at those 53 guys and tell me three or four that you're willing to cut in order to bring in the players that you think the Giants could target. Yeah, <clears throat> and to your point about, about the Giants being less concerned than other teams, I would agree. The Giants had, while the Giants have talent, don't get me wrong, Adam, they do have talent across yeah. uh, across across this roster. They certainly just are not as deep as other teams, and there are other teams that have a plethora of safeties that have NFL experience for example, that the Giants would covet. And so that one is is pretty interesting to me um, in terms of what's going to happen. Now, the rest of the mechanics go like this. At 4 p.m., everything will come back and tell you what claims the Giants made in the waiver process that they were awarded. And you may say, well, how are the waiver claims set up? Well, they go in the order basically that the teams were drafted, essentially. So, um, you know, you have the Jacksonville Jaguars going number one. The Giants fall down to the fifth pick. 
So as long as the team, four teams in front of them do not want those players or did not put a claim in for those players, the Giants will get them. So that means that there will be at least one or two guys that the Giants are going to claim today. I'm very confident in saying that because of the way the 53-man roster was constructed originally. Yeah, so you do. I think when we talk about guys, you know, how the Giants choose to cut players, what players are going to become available, you try to make your decisions ahead of time to set yourself up to have the ability to say, and now this guy goes, and now we move here, and now we bring in these players that we're going to want to see. Go ahead. Well, so what I was going to say is you you may say, and we talked a little bit about this pre-show, like any player that the Giants make You're doing a lot on, of suggesting suggesting here. You, you're suggesting a lot where I may say things, Andy. Take ownership of this. You know what I mean? One, you're saying it. Quite one frankly. may say. If you want me to say Ooh, one, yes, may one may say, say. that's a little better. Yeah. Um, and on brand, too. But, but the idea is when you claim someone, it actually goes one in, one out. Right. People forget the other side of the coin where it's like when we make a waiver claim, that means one of these 53 players that made the original roster is not going to be one of the 53 uh, players that's there. Now, the Giants have a luxury because at the exact same time, 4 p.m., when all these waiver claims get announced of who got what, that's when you can actually take all the players that are on your 53 active roster and put them on IR and, and signify right. that they're eligible to, to return, put them on a non-football injury, put them on a pup list, what, whatever list you want to put them on. You can put those active 53 men, and that allows them to return over the course of the season. As you saw during the preseason, Adam, if you put someone on IR before we got down to the 53-man roster cuts, it means they're on season-ending IR. Someone like Andre Miller came to, came to mind with that. Um, Colin Johnson came to mind with yep. that. They do all this, and you may say, why is it so wonky? Why do they do all this? They do it so that teams don't just stash 50 players on their injured reserve list during the preseason (laughs) and then just activate them across the season. They want to make sure that it's fair for those players to get opportunities elsewhere. So you will see players potentially like Shane Lemieux, uh, Joshua Zudu, Ellerson Smith, uh, Radarius Williams. There's a host of players that have had injuries in the preseason that may free up roster spots by moving them to IR eligible to return when some of these claims come in. Okay, so then if we think that we have a couple of spots available to us, right, there's some opportunities for the Giants to make some moves and to bring in some additional talent. We, we mentioned we've mentioned last couple of days, really. Tony Jefferson was one of the ones that we think maybe looks like the secondary could be a spot you want to target. What's your, you know, just give me a couple of names that are on your mind that out of the, <clears throat> you know, out of the hundreds out of, of players, out of about yeah. 800 players or so that uh give me your that. top give me two or three Just, you know, give well, me two. Three. by the way i have an interesting one that came to mind this is more of a footnote but but i want to hear a couple of years first adam let me tell you after looking at the profiles of every single one of the yeah. 800 or so players because that's yeah. what we do at ogp um there was a handful of noteworthy ones now mm. well, here we'll start with this the first one is oj howard there was a lot of clamoring from a lot of people on oj howard getting released i believe that and you want to say not us as the pockets you want me to go out on a limb i was someone that was not very interested in oj howard given that he's had an achilles injury no one's seen him you know catch a football basically since and even when he was out there he had woefully underperformed his first round pedigree Mm -hmm. um it it sounds like the word on the street is this morning that he's already flown to cincinnati set up to do a physical with the cincinnati bengals knowing they lost cj 
Uzuma uh, earlier this offseason to the they Jets. They cut a lot of tight ends, too, in their in their cut down. Like, they <clears> cleared <throat> out a lot of space there. And then still had some, but they cleared <clears throat> out a lot of guys. Right, they did. And and you can see that they're still searching for an answer. It sounds like oh, if O.J. Howard passes the physical, he will be one of them. He is going to be off the board for the Giants. That's a name that we don't necessarily need to worry about too much anymore, Adam, which is good. Well, um, let, me, uh, let me throw in here real quick then, though. Another tight end uh, with some, you know, NFL lineage and pedigree is one Thaddeus Moss who was released by those Cincinnati Bengals. But, you know, it was fascinating because I, I remember when he came out LSU, he's, he's a raw talent, a big guy, right? But if you could kind of just coach him up a little bit, he might be a guy worth taking a flyer on. And I'm not saying it's something that the Giants, because a, a bigger question is, where do you want the Giants to spend some of these waiver claims on young talent or on, you know, defined, experienced NFL players? Um, I didn't even realize that Thaddeus Moss was the man, the myth, the legend that swept across that line. And, you know, Johnny take the leg uh, took out our boy Thibodeau on that on that play that narrowly could have ruined this season. Um, would that prevent you? Because I feel like as I bring that name up, fan, Giants fans would be like, what are you out of your mind? The only reason you bring him in is so that you can break his leg in practice one day. Um, but I did like a player, a player like that or otherwise. I found it interesting that he's out there. You know, Thaddeus Moss was a name that I liked coming out of college. Obviously, he had a mm-hmm. little bit of a hybrid role at LSU after after starting at NC State. Uh, was interesting. I think he started with Washington. He's bounced around. Hasn't really caught on. I don't know. He's no. not he's not as explosive at the tight end position as some people would like. I don't know if he's also as good of a blocker as you'd like. So if you're not explosive on offense making catches and you're not blocking well, it's a weird scheme. You know, I say the blocking, it, it's kind of ironic considering – the, the chop block that he ended up having on Kayvon Thibodeau. Um, <clears throat> I want to go back to, to some uh, one of the comments. You know, uh, Tyrone in, in the comments said, O.J. Howard was cut with $3 million guaranteed. Like, why? The question is why. And I think it's what we talked about before. The answer is no one has really seen him do anything of circumstance or substance since an Achilles injury. And when you're talking about a position that needs to be athletic in the tight end position, he has to be out there catching passes according to everyone, all the Bills beat reporters and media in camp, he was the least athletic and showed the least out of all of the different guys. Uh, Sweeney was was a was a uh, tight end that they liked there. They had a couple of different guys, and he just got flat out outperformed. And if you don't think that Brandon Bean and Joe Shane still have some type of connection, like they evaluate talent very similarly, there is no way that Joe Shane is going to look at a $3 million guy that had guaranteed contract money that Brandon Bean just released. And Joe Shane's like, that's the guy I want. He's like, no, clearly my, my, my mentor understands exactly, you know, why we don't need him. So in this regard, I think it's just a hard pass. I'm glad he's finding a a roster spot elsewhere. Uh, But giant fans can take uh, take a breath and, you know, OJ Howard will not be a giant. Yeah. One of those things is just uh, sometimes what it comes down to is um, you made a mistake. If you were the Buffalo Bills, right. right? You brought in a guy, you thought there was more talent there. You thought there was more health there. And then at some point, you know, what, what do we say? Compounding interest, make a mistake. And then what? Hold on to him, hold a roster spot, waste a roster spot. At some point you have to be willing to jettison him. Wait, but Adam, who would compound mistakes? Like what type of general manager would compound mistakes by signing someone, then extending them and adding more guaranteed money and, and, and all these extra, you know, f- fake years to it. I, I could, I could, no GM comes to mind that would no, ever, there's not ever a single that. guy that you'd ever discuss that around that nature. Now, now listen, there's some other guys um, out there as well. I think um, there's a couple of different players here, but you had mentioned, I'm going to let you take it. Nice job. 
Tyrone gets uh, two points on the board for, for for shouting it out. It's a bit of a it's a, it's a bit of a wheel. It's a uh, around the wheel kind of game show action we're running this morning. Um, you get to because you put it in the in the uh, rundown before the show. You get to take the lead on an offensive lineman who was recently released. That I think um, a a Giants name actually came to mind in in talking about this player. But you go ahead and introduce him. So Alex Leatherwood was released uh, by the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, Adam, this this one is just puzzling to me because I don't understand what what has happened and what's gone on. Listen, he was drafted in the first round, 17th overall last year to play offensive tackle for him. He did not look good playing offensive tackle. There's no way to get around it. Right. He was almost ostensibly abysmal when he was playing it. What they decided to do was they've moved him around a little bit and they said, Go play some offensive guard. They had him playing right guard for a little bit with the Las Vegas Raiders. He wasn't great. He was like basically mediocre or average, but you have a new coaching staff, a new GM, a new regime that was not involved basically in in any of these decisions. They spent all of training camp and preseason trying to trade this guy. And and Ian Rappaport reported, they went to all 32 teams, called all 32 GMs. It was like, hey, do you want a first round offensive tackle? And, And every team was like, no thanks, hard pass. And they just had to outright release him, which is one of the more shocking things. Like the guy didn't even get 12, like basically 12 months in the NFL as a first round pick before they cut him. But the reason why I'm so interested in him, Adam, is he is still young. He's only 23 years old. He's six foot five, 313 pounds. He projects as a potential solid guard. If he can get some training inside in that position to me, this is a no-brainer claim for the for the Giants, knowing when you see the back end of their depth at offensive line, this is the perfect reclamation project where you take talent that is young and you have the ability to develop it at a position of need. And to me, it's like claiming Alice Leatherwood is, is a no-brainer, knowing that Shane Lemieux's hurt, knowing Joshua Zuda's hurt, knowing that John Feliciano's had some issues, shoring up the offensive line with a top-end first-round talent from a year ago and seeing what he's got. Then he goes out and competes with a guy like Max Garcia for the last roster spot. We're not, we're not saying, is he better than Mark Lewinsky? We're saying, can he be better than the last man that the giants have on the roster? And for me, the answer is yes. Yeah. I, I, you know, the name that came to mind for me was um, Eric flowers. That that's the name that came to mind in recent giants history, a guy that gets drafted in and you said it, you drafted uh, Leatherwood in the first round. Now go back to remember Eric flowers. When he got drafted, everyone said, well, if you want to bring him in and play him at guard, maybe something there probably overdrafted a little too high. Giants came in. They go, he's a tackle baby. Watch this. Same thing when it came to with Leatherwood, like he was supposed to come out all everything leading up to, it. I remember we talked about him because we were shuffling through all the possible off- offensive linemen looking specifically for the giants for a tackle. And it was well, Leatherwood, they're saying he should kick inside. They draft him to be a tackle. Then they start moving him around. And I just think young player has some, obviously has some talent or baseline skill set. Let him develop to your point. Like I'm not talking about this guy comes in and competes for a starting job by any stretch of the imagination. I'm saying comes in and competes to be a backup. And if you can stash him in the background, like who knows the world where he ends up on your practice squad for a year, just trying to work on his skill set, refine him a little bit. And when you look at what the giants have done already on the offensive line this season, where certain players already look more competent, already look more consistent. I wouldn't hate 
taking a flyer on a guy and seeing if you can develop him for the future. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, in the comments also, they're saying uh, Isaiah Wilson vibes. I mean, there was a lot going on with Isaiah Wilson too, (laughs) off the field where he's like jumping around on cars, throwing money around. Like you, you actually honestly thought that there were some mental issues that were going on there. Obviously you never had a good night out, Andy. How dare you? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Jumping on cars like that. Um, But, but with Alex Otherwood, no one were on the top of a car last weekend. I swear to God. Yeah. Imagine. Um, But with Alex Otherwood, I have not heard anything about, any of the off-field stuff that would give me those big concerns no. if there is that may change my mind if, if some of that comes to light but right now it was just poor performance and drafted by a previous regime he is interesting to me adam is there is there anyone else i, I think you mentioned tart potentially as someone that you thought would be interesting for the giants yeah i don't mind taking a look at tart i'll go i'll go a little bit of a different way here just to keep inside of a couple of themes that we're talking about the first one being and i'll t- i'm going to tie this into what we talked about yesterday the first one being um the tight end room as we talked about there's another guy that was just released and that's also from the buffalo bills uh, not just released but over these waves that's jalen uh weidermeyer who came out of the draft class and like this is the kind of we can a little bit in this moment just take that broader approach of are we looking to claim guy that we think are going to come in and be studs and there are those needs there specifically inside of the secondary or are we also willing to take a look at a guy that could be just kind of a quick hit here at a position of need bring some athleticism a six foot four 255 he's a guy that needs to refine his game but when you think about the buffalo bills and what they've had with consistency in their tight end group like that's also i think when you look across this league you notice teams that have looked strong at certain positions have to make difficult choices. So I throw that name out there as just a possibility, a low risk look there. The other one, and then I'll get your thoughts is just to touch back into our conversation yesterday about a Devin Kennard from the Arizona Cardinals. The reason why I bring him up is because they also moved on from Chandler Wooten, a player who had looked pretty good over the course of the preseason for them. Again, they're deep at the linebacker spot, a lot of difficult decisions to make that made it interesting for me to say, here's a young player he was undrafted rookie, but you bring him in, you throw him into that linebacker mix and see if maybe he can stick inside of a group that needs depth and will lead to uh, the closeout conversation here for us around a current player on the roster. Yeah, so uh, l- little extra bit of nugget. Jalen Watermeyer was was signed by the Patriots. Ah, so they he, got him. <clears throat> they scooped him up. Classic Bill know. Belichick. You and Bill Belichick. Everyone yeah, we, they know, always says say. you guys have the same mind. It's like, who's going to get there first? Adam when they were hiring, when they were hiring for the Patriots head coaching job, I put it in the ring, and there was a discrepancy. Well, you're only 13 years old. This may not work out long term. And it's listen, it's ageism in, in its worst form. I, I I couldn't I couldn't agree more. But I, to your point on Devin Kennard, I think that's an yes. interesting one. Because I think Kennard is more likely, right? Like, yeah, you're th- talking about these. Yeah. Well, yeah, more than Weidermeyer, considering he's on another man's mm. roster. But but I, I mean, I agree. more than Wooten, another yeah. young player. Yeah. Uh, Agreed, because Kennard does have familiarity with the Giants. Um, you know, it is an area of need at the linebacking position. We are very, very thin at the linebacking position. I could see that definitely as one of them. You know, the last name I'll, I'll go to before we go go into a current person on the roster is is Tony Jefferson. Like, yeah, there yeah. were some reports that he was going to get immediately re-signed. Obviously, um, haven't heard that yet. I think they probably are going to wait until 4 p.m. to see what their waiver claims are. But honestly, if, if Tony Jefferson really has familiarity and wing system and he can offer more playing time for him with the Giants, it's not like it's, he's got to move cross country. He's got to move a couple hours up up I-95. If he likes playing for Wink and loves the system, then he, he I mean, it, it's tailor made for him to come here. I think Art Sableton even said it like if Tony has interest and Wink has interest, this can get done very quickly because he is a vested veteran. And so it is an area of need. The Giants only have three 
safeties on their active roster. One is coming off a collarbone injury and isn't even practicing in full right now. That is an area that you will see the Giants make a move. Who knows? They, they may put in some claims for some safeties, but keep an eye out for Tony Jefferson as a veteran leader at the back end of that defense. And I'll put in this one too, uh, released by the uh, San Francisco 49ers, just to give an extra thought inside of the secondary. Dante Johnson, 30 years old, going to be 31. Um, you can go look at just some of where his stats are. Again, a team that is relatively deep in that secondary or has confidence in certain player groups. I think he's a guy, if you want to try to bring in a little bit of depth, a little bit of experience. And by the way, I could say Dante Johnson. I could say 63 other names. There's a relative nature to right, who would make sense to bring in and what it could look like. And a guy like Dante Johnson, the age range is like, Right as we all know, for yours truly, right at that precipice of being like, is it really worth going down the road of 30, 31-year-old versus taking a flyer on a guy with less experience but more upside? Yeah, I, there's one other name that I wanted to give out that was yeah. during the draft process, Adam, that we had spoken about, um, and that was safety Verone McKinley the third. So yeah. Verone McKinley the third was a name that we liked. He went undrafted and immediately signed with the Miami Dolphins. He was released during all of this. Obviously, the Dolphins have added quite a bit of talent across their entire defense and offense, frankly, um, over the last 12 months. He's an interesting name. He's 5'11", 200 pounds, so he's got decent size at the safety position. He needs to put on a little bit a little bit of weight, but you know, the Giants are probably looking in the direction of someone with a little bit more veteran veteran abilities rather than, than someone like Verone McKinley, but... You know, another name to keep out, keep an eye out. Uh, Khalil Pim- uh, Pimpleton. Why? Why not bring in the darling of hard knocks, a kid that can juggle like crazy, also can juggle some catches at times. I-, I will say though, if you could bring him into a room, we talk about having these young players, these smaller receivers, these shifty guys. Guys like that. Let's just call him the mold, right? Maybe there's an opportunity there to bring in a player and continue to develop him because at the very least, like he did show some things and it's, isn't it always so nice when you can get those types of looks of players behind the scenes when they're getting, you know, broadcast across the national uh, media, but guys like that, I'm interested in. He seemed to have all of the personality that you want and like, you know what I mean? The, the, the mindset, the approach, wanted to be there. I'm sure Detroit would like him to get to their practice squad, and that's interesting too, stealing some of those guys. Let's not get out of here without hitting this conversation uh, brought up by Art Stapleton in regards to Blake Martinez, uh, the inside, obviously inside linebacker for the New York football Giants, captain the two prior years before the new regime came in and then was left off of the 10-man captain's list. Um the first part of it, it, it's interesting on a couple levels here. The first part is, okay, he's not named a captain. And I get that that's symbolic. I didn't, it didn't necessarily blow my mind. He's coming off of an injury. He's working his way back. And you have some other new players inside of this group and a little bit of a shifting mentality to, we want the young guys, for the most part, to be leading this team. That's what we were looking for. Look over the captain's list. It's all primarily young talent, right? Leonard Williams might be the oldest captain on that list outside of maybe, if they, I don't know who they did for special teams. But Art suggests that his lack of being named a captain combined with the injury he's recovering from all of a sudden puts him in a much murkier position for this roster and potentially makes that inside linebacker spot and who's starting and who's <clears> going to be contributing, knowing that they lost Darian Beavers. That's a wide open spot that maybe has to get targeted here in the waiver wire. Yeah, so we know Blake Martinez coming off that injury had that big, big cap hit, and he did the restructure to stay with the Giants, Adam. Yeah. You know, he, he falls into the, up, the Sterling Shepard category, right? Exactly. He gave up about three and a half million. He's got a seven and a half million cap hit, uh, I believe, for this season. And if not for his massive cap hit, 
I don't know if Blake Martinez would be on this roster, frankly, because because coming off that injury, is he the Kenny previous, Galladay of the defense? Right. Well, that's that's a great question. I mean, that that's uh, I, I think you'll see more effort and attitude from yeah. Blake Martinez in the positive direction. Everyone says that he's a great guy in inside the locker room. But I think we mentioned it yesterday on, on our on our live discussion. The, the captains that were announced for the Giants are players that you expect to be here next season, yep. right? Like that is an important one. I looked down that roster and I was like, oh, these are players that you build around. It's not, oh, Sterling Shepard, we've come into your building and you are being announced the captain because you, you have seniority here. Or, oh, Blake Martinez, you're one of the older veterans on the back end of the roster. Like that's why no, the Giants are saying, who are the young leaders that we need to make sure are ready to take form and take shape? when we're ready to compete in a year or two years, when we're yep. getting to the playoffs and making a deep run, as opposed to like the obligatory, you're the oldest guy, you have the biggest contract. So therefore you get to be the captain of the team. Sure. Uh, you know, the, the big issue, obviously we talked about his, his contract structure made it so that the giants basically had to keep him um, on the roster. But the other piece is the way Wink Martindale's system is while you do need a kind of a, a guy in the middle, that is a surefire tackler. He does like athletes that can just stand up and and play multiple positions and get around there. There's no getting around it that Blake Martinez is a middle linebacker. He is not one of your edge rushing guys. He's not really going to drop back into coverage all that much. Like, you know, everyone may may remember that he intercepted Cam Newton like last year early on. Everyone was so excited about Blake Martinez. That is not what he's good at. He is good at finding the person and tackling the person. And really, Wink's system is is way more complicated than that, where he asks players to play multiple spots, which may be a challenge for Blake. Yeah, I think 100%. And as we get one here real quick, just from Bowman on, are you saying Jones and Barkley will be around next season? That's TBD, but you're still going to put the best foot forward to have those players be potentially those guys, right? You can set the template, look back, all of our footsteps led to the moment where Daniel Jones is the franchise quarterback and Saquon Barkley is back on a big deal, right? You're trying to set up all the best opportunities for the team to be successful. The other thing I think around Blake Martinez, just to add to that is health. If he came into this season healthy, to your point, would he have been outright released from a financial standpoint? Potentially. Also, if he had been healthy, could have been an opportunity for the Giants to make a move here to trade this player and put him onto a roster veteran experienced linebacker that that fits better into another mold as opposed to Wink Martindale and go back to when the Giants brought him in right I don't knock him he's a good guy does everything the right way but the Giants were desperate for some level of stability in the middle of that defense now I'm not saying they're not equally desperate now for that However, in a different scheme, you need to be desperate for a different type of player. So yeah, it's a really good point that you bring up. I'll be curious to see what the Giants do here, who they look to bring in, and then ultimately how the start of the season progresses. And as we get to that trade deadline, like I think Blake Martinez is a name to watch here. If he can look, come back and look healthy and the Giants feel like they have enough behind them, that, that's a great way for the Giants to set themselves up for success next offseason, knowing Martinez is not a part of the long-term future. I also think that it's noteworthy. It's something that we seem to forget because these things happen so quickly. If Darian Beavers doesn't get hurt, who knows what Blake Martinez's role can be? Because Beavers feels like he's a little bit more athletic. He was drafted by the current regime. Like he's a younger, talented guy that was showing pretty good promise in in training camp and practice. Like he may have been able to start alongside Blake Martinez. And then who knows if they need more athleticism, Michael McFadden, Cam Brown, Carter Coughlin comes in. 
But now losing Darian Beavers makes it so much thinner that you have to rely on Blake Martinez because everyone behind him, you, like imagine starting Cam Brown and Carter Coughlin in the middle. That seems like a recipe for, for disaster considering they don't have the size. They don't have the strength to be able to kind of pull down in the run game. I'd be very concerned if we had that. So losing Beavers actually probably changes things for Wink where it's like, we actually do need Blake Martinez a little bit more right now than we thought we would. Yeah, yeah, 100% out of necessity, right? Before you know what you have to replace him with, you can't let go of the thing that you currently at least understand what you have there. Uh, check out Keandre Thomas, uh, let go of the Green Bay Packers cornerback, someone that I was starting to look at here as well. At the end of the day, we got a bit of time here before all the decisions start to get made, before the waiver claims start to move. We'll be monitoring them. Follow us over on social media. We'll be tracking them as we go. If we have an opportunity to come back in, maybe we will. More than likely, we're going to come in tomorrow and start to break down. Who did they bring in? What moves did it facilitate? And where did we end up when we start looking at that practice squad as well? There, there's so many names out there. It's borderline impossible to really prioritize it. Andy, on this note, though, last thing, what's the first position you want the Giants to target with the fifth waiver queen? That, that, that first one they put in, what do you think is the first spot that they need to go to? Uh, well, so if, if I had it my way, it would be the offensive line in Alex Leatherwood because I think that he's a premium uh, pedigree type of guy that fills an area of need across across the offensive line. And and the reason why I say that, Adam, is because the way the waiver process works, it's not like if the Giants make that claim, they all of a sudden go down to the 32nd claim. You stay at the fifth claim for every single player that's going in until the season starts. So like, right. I would immediately put something in for Alex Otherwood because of that talent. But then I think it's very, very clear the Giants need another safety on this roster. After letting Andrew Adams, Trenton Thompson, and Yusuf Corker go, they are razor thin right now at the safety position, and they have to bring in at least one more safety over the next 24 hours. Yep, got to see. What are the handshake agreements behind closed doors to get certain players onto the Giants roster? We'll see how it unfolds, see how the waiver wire claims go, and then get a real sense of this roster as well as the 16-man practice squad. In the meantime, friends, another live in the books. You get us over on YouTube. You get us over on social media at One Giant Podcast. You get the podcast where the podcast needs fulfilled. And in the meantime, until the next time, for the best times, as Andy Makowitz would want, need, nay, demand the people know. As always, let's go Big Blue.